Welcome everyone to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I would like to take some time to thank you all for choosing to spend the next few minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And with that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. I want to thank all you freshwater warriors for joining me for another Sunday episode of the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. This is something new that we um, are doing every other Sunday. We are putting something out that pertains strictly to the Bible. It's coming straight from the Bible. Maybe it's a scripture, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a whole book, but the principles are coming straight from the Bible. And if you paid attention, if you've paid attention over the last few years of the podcast, everything that I've talked about, they correlate with the principles of the Bible. However, we're going to dive right into the uh, specifics of it. And so uh, it's been on my mind, it's been on my heart, and I've been led to do this, and I've been happy to do it. It's been a good thing. And last week we, well, last time we were here on a Sunday, we dove into the book of Ezekiel, and we were talking about hardened hearts. And this week, we're going to dive into the the book of Malachi, talking about the same thing, hardened hearts, because I really feel like this is something that is plaguing our world today. This is the biggest issue that we're facing. Excuse me. This is the biggest issue that we're facing in this world, and it's the hardened hearts that we have to encounter on a daily basis. These hearts are so closed up that they don't want to hear anything. They want to just cause chaos. They want to be hurtful. They want to be evil in their ways. They want to be divisive in their thought processes. Selfish. Not thinking about others, not thinking about the community, not thinking about the impact of their, their behaviors. Nothing like that. This is what we're dealing with. And in order For this to happen, people have to continue to live and dwell in their hardened hearts. Now, how does this happen and how can we change this? This is what we're going to touch on in the book of Malachi. But I wanted to talk on the level of parenting. All right. And this will all make sense after we have completed this episode. So I know a lot of you freshwater warriors out there. You guys are parents, and I commend you on the job that you're doing, raising your children and consistently being the example of how they should live their lives because it is not easy being a parent because we have a knack of getting in our own way. But those who persevere and consistently provide support, instruction, and discipline, those are the ones that will reap the reward of raising children that are awesome decision makers thoughtful, empathetic, helpful, and they won't cause you to grow any extra gray hairs. Because some of these parents, let's just be real, some of these parents out there are raising some children uh, without any direction, and it's causing them to pull out their hair. Now me, I've taken the proactive approach and shaved off all of my hair. So I don't have to worry about pulling my hair out. I took the proactive approach because I just wasn't sure what my children were going to do as they grew up. I didn't know. 
if they were going to cause me to pull out my hair. So instead of doing it that way, I just took the proactive approach and shaved it. However, I, that was unnecessary. That was unnecessary. I've been blessed with children that are uh, awesome decision makers and they're doing well for themselves. And I can't complain about that. So I have about a couple of three or four random gray hairs in my beard, but that's about it. So I can live with that. I can live with that totally. I'm at peace with that. I'm not worried about that. I'm not upset with that. I think I'm doing well. I think I'm doing well. But we see it all the time in the grocery stores, unruly children. At the shopping malls, unruly children. At the schools, unruly children. And then the parents are just as unruly. And we have to think to ourselves, where is this coming from? Why is this happening? Why does it seem like this is happening at a rapid pace in these times? You know, parenting is a tricky task because it's a lifetime commitment. You don't retire from being a parent. There's no retirement package for it. There are no vacations, no sick days, no nothing. There are no breaks to be had. And people that say they can't wait until their children are adults. And they say that because they think that when they're adults, they don't have to be a parent anymore. Man, oh man, are they uh, are they in for a shock? <laughs> I just sit and I laugh. I just smile. I smile and they say, Mike, what are you smiling at? I'm like, you really think that? Your parenting stops when they're 18 or 19. You really think that when they're uh, where they're when they are in quote an adult, you don't have to parent them anymore. And they're always shocked when I say that's when parenting truly begins. That's when parenting becomes more burdensome because now you're worried about all those little things because your little child is not under your roof anymore. Now you're wondering if they remember your teachings, if they will be negatively influenced by those around them, if they will stand tall on their principles that you've taught them, if they'll be wise enough to avoid the traps that are laid out before them, you're constantly worrying about that. And when you pray at night, your prayers are more intense now because you're worried about what's going to happen to your child when they're outside of your vision, outside of your, your, your um, protection. Then you start to ask, have I done enough? Have I set a good example? Have I built a relationship built on trust and communication? Will they talk to me? Will they tell me what's going on in their lives? Will they be comfortable to tell me their fears? Was I too soft on them when I needed to show tough love? Or was I too hard on them when I should have remained silent and just given them a hug? Parenting is no easy task. It takes love, forgiveness, consistency, discipline, empathy, mercy, and grace. And as a human, we all fall short on these things all the time. Every day we're failing at those things. Our children are constantly testing our love for them when they disobey our instruction. They test our ability to forgive when we feel like they've wronged us. They test our consistency when they continually break the same rules over and over. How many times do I have to tell you to clean your room? 
How many times do I have to tell you to take out the trash? Now, I sh I'm sure I'm not the only parent who have said these things to my children on numerous occasions. You say those things over and over and over again. You're asking, how many times do I have to tell you the same thing? This is why I'm frustrated because I've told you the same thing over and over. Trust me, I love you. I love you to death, but you are driving me bonkers because I have to repeat the same thing over and over. Your children will test you to see if you are willing to discipline them. If you give an inch, will they take a mile? And when they take a mile, what do you do? Do you follow through with what you say you're going to do? Do you follow through with your word? Your empathetic heart will be tested to see if you can find a nugget of grace or mercy when the situation calls for it. You know, we often want to handle things with anger and we don't want to take a step back because we think that's a sign of weakness. We think that we have to handle things with a, a swift hand all the time and an iron fist, as I like to say, which I'm not afraid to drop down that iron fist. I'm not afraid, but that cannot be your only go-to. It cannot be your only go-to. Sometimes you just have to understand that just as you're human and you say the excuse when you mess up that, hey, I'm human, your children are also human and they are going to mess up too. If they were perfect and if you only had to tell your kids once to do something and they did it for the rest of their lives, you and I both would be the richest men, the richest women on earth. We would create some awesome manual. This is all you have to say. This is all you have to do, and you have to do it once, and your kids will be the most obedient children ever. They will never make a mistake. They will never get on your nerves. They will never try, try you. They will never test you. You will never have to discipline them because they'll get everything right all the time. And unfortunately, there are households where children are trying to live up to that standard which is automatic failure on both ends. Failure on the parent side and failure on the child side. The parent is trying to expect the child to be perfect all the time. And if they're not perfect, then they're getting in trouble for it. And the child is under the pressure of being perfect and they know they can't be perfect. So they become sneaky, detached from their parent. There's a, a, a ill-fated relationship brewing. And then the parent is left wondering, why on earth does my child not want to talk to me? How come they never visit me? I was a great parent. I was there for them. I kept the lights on. I did all of these things for them. I gave them everything they wanted. But you missed out on the humanity part on it. Parenting is no easy task. The responsibility is great. It is the most demanding task that you'll ever have in your life. And you can either choose to do nothing and guarantee that your child will be raised with a hardened heart, or you can fight daily to be righteous and be a positive role model for your children, even though they may still have a hardened heart as they grow older. Now think about that. No matter what you do, there's still a possibility that there will be an outcome that your child 
will grow to have a hardened heart. Seems like a no-win situation, doesn't it? But we will see that there is a way. We're going to be reading out of Malachi, first chapter, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read through these verses real quick, and then we'll go down and we'll break this. We'll break down these passages, okay? I'm reading out of the NIV Bible. A prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert of jackals. Edom may say, Though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am the father... Where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. That was a mouthful, and we're going to break this down. So I want to, before we get into the breakdown, I want to give you a setting of what's going on here. At this time, the people of Israel were at the end of their exile because King Cyrus of Persia allowed them return allowed them to return home. Now, you would think that when they returned home, the people of Israel would be on fire for God because like the awesome father that he is, God extended his grace and mercy upon Israel. And however, this was not the case. Israel had turned away from God with such contempt, arrogance, and disobedience that Malachi, a prophet, was sent to deliver a bold message to Israel about their ways. Some people say that they have trouble understanding the Bible because of the language and putting the pieces together, which is valid. That's a valid statement. It can be difficult reading the Bible, trying to figure out what's going on. However, Malachi didn't leave any kind of room for misinterpretation. Malachi delivers God's message to Israel in a bold, clear, and concise manner that you have no choice but to understand what he's saying, and you have no choice but to look in the mirror. So it says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Then it goes on to say, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where's the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty. It's you priests who show contempt for my name. 
but you ask, how have you shown contempt for my name? And then he tells them, by offering defiled food on my altar. But you even ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offer the, offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, our Father God begins saying, I have loved you, but you ask, how have you loved us? Could you imagine that? Think it from a parent perspective right now. Could you imagine that? Telling your child, I have loved you so much. I have shown you grace and mercy and I've been there with you step by step. I didn't abandon you. Even when you turned your back on me. Even when you tried to run away from me, I have done nothing but love you. And then your child responds. But how have you loved me? I don't get it. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. Could you imagine the different emotions that would go through you as a parent if that was the response from your child? At this point, it was like God was speaking to the people of Israel as a parent that was desperately trying to convince his rebellious children to stop their disobedience and turn to him and trust in him. But they continued to do what they were doing, and they refused to do so. They refused to turn to him. They had become content with their hardened hearts. In verses 6 through 8, it talks about the offering, the priest's offering defiled food, defiled animals, lame animals, diseased animals for an offering. God flat out calls out the sins of Israel due to their careless and selfishness when it comes to sacrifices. Then he calls them out even further by asking them, would you give these gifts or offer these sacrifices to your governor? And if so, would he accept this? And would he accept you for bringing him such a disgraceful sacrifice? And the answer right there is no. So if our own governor, if you wouldn't do that to your own governor, if you wouldn't dishonor an official like that, so why on earth would you think that God is going to accept something like that? He was the one that rescued you many times over, and he was the one who always provided for you when you were left out there and you thought you had no way. He was the one who parted the Red Sea for you. He was the one who never turned his back on you, even though you constantly sought other idols to worship. And he still patiently is calling you, saying, I love you. Turn to me. And you have the audacity, the nerve, the gumption to bring these sacrifices, these half-hearted sacrifices to honor God that you wouldn't even serve to your, to your own governor. 
Why would he accept that? Why would he accept that when he knows that that is a half-hearted attempt to please him? Or not even to please him. It's even more selfish and callous than that. I want you guys to think about this. Think about this situation. You've won parent of the year. And they're having a ceremony in your honor. And your children seem to be so excited. And they say they would be honored to prepare the meal for you and your guests. You're excited. You, you're thinking to yourself, my children are so great. They are so good to me that they would sacrifice the time and the effort to serve all of these guests and to honor me. And when it com- finally it comes time to eat the meal and you realize that your children have prepared a meal cooked with expired chicken and fish and moldy bread and rotten vegetables and you look around and you're watching everybody look at their plates in disgust. You're mortified when you look at your plate and you're scanning the room looking for your children and you catch them out in the back room eating a separate meal that they prepared with all the fixings, with all the finest cuts of meat. And you watch them sitting in their deception. They have deceptively kept the best for themselves and served their father and his guests a rotten meal. And the children have the audacity to wait looking with anticipation, hoping that their parent, their father, their mother is okay with their half-hearted and cheap offering. Now, I know for sure if that happened to me, I would come unglued. Once I spotted my children, they they would be lucky that they were 200 feet away from me. And I had to walk through the whole crowd to get to them. I would be, whew, I would, I would be so upset. It would take literally the hand of God to stop me from striking down my children for doing something so selfish and so mean-spirited, embarrassing. In the end, I would pray and I would hope that I have the heart to forgive them for dishonoring me, sabotaging my day, and recklessly hoping that I would accept their intentional deception. Most of us would be upset and the hurt and hurt in this situation. And at that point, you have every right to be. A parent should be honored by their children. And God was telling the people of Israel that they have dishonored him by recklessly bringing defiled sacrifices to, end quote, honor him. You think that's bad. It gets worse. I know you're thinking to yourself, how could it get worse? Oh, it gets worse. We'll jump into chapter two real quick here. Verses one through nine. And now you priests, this warning is for you. He's talking specifically to the priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. 
true instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because of his messenger. No, I'm sorry, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have cursed many to stumble. You have violated the covenant of Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but shown partiality in matters of the law. I'm telling you, there there is no fake in this. Malachi is delivering these words <laughs> and he is not mincing his words. He is not backing down. He is not changing anything. He is being direct and straight to the point. And at this point, Jesus or God is calling out the priests because they have grown partial and careless in their teachings. Partial. They have turned a blind eye to those that they have favored. They those favored were the ones with influence, money, and power. We see that today. We see that in the world today. We see that in the church today. Uh oh. Yeah, we see that in the church today. You you can go into a church and you'll hear that talk. You know, well, the the Millers, we hate to see them leave because they they give a lot of they give a lot of money with each tithe that they give. We'd hate to lose that. You know, well, we can allow so and so to do this. We can uh, allow Mr. Jones to do this. I know it's against what we are supposed to be doing, but you know, he has a lot of power and a lot of influence. He might help us get the funds that we need to expand our church. <laughs> and you can sit here and cringe. I know I feel funny saying it, but it's the truth. It happens. It's happening today. God speaks on the special consequences for their actions, throwing dung on their faces from the festival activ activities, from the defiled offerings that they've presented to God. Now, I'm telling you, <laughs> if that's not loud and clear on what that is and what's happening there, I don't know how else to say it. Now, this is a biggie right here. They were priests leading people into a life of sin. They weren't telling the truth to the people. They were just letting things slide. They weren't calling people out. They weren't giving wise instruction. They weren't sharing the knowledge. They were just pretty much saying, hey, you're fine. Just do whatever you want to do. You're fine. You'll be all right. It's okay to live this way. You know what? This path that I'm on right now as a, as a priest, it's kind of a big burden to me anyway. So I'm thinking about getting off of it myself. They were leading people astray intentionally. Now, I've read some things in the Bible, and I've heard other talks about this, but I know one thing, that this is a big no-no. You don't go around supposed to be a representative of God's word and intentionally sending people into a life of sin. I'll say it lightly, that's frowned upon, okay? That's frowned upon. So you can understand how disappointed, how angry God must have felt. Think of yourself as a parent. If, you're, if your child is 
is are, is part of some madness like this. They're in a group that is leading people astray. The priest gave no care about the sacrifices and the offerings to God because they didn't care to give their best. They didn't care about delivering the truth to the people. And how can you direct others to walk the path when you're not willing to walk it yourself? That's what was going on. The priests were thinking to themselves, I'm not sure if I want to walk this path anyway. I have no desire to do it. It's, It's a burden to be on this path. And the longer you live like that, it becomes increasingly difficult to do so, to to guide people on the path, to guide people in the right direction. And this is where apathy rears its head and people are led astray. It comes to a point for all of us. We can use our gifts to heal or to hurt, uplift or destroy. We can use them for good or evil. We can, can, we can honor God or We can do these things for selfish ambition. And the priests were using their gifts and knowledge to cause harm, to destroy, and to selfishly dishonor God. You know, in James chapter 2, 1 through 4, it talks about not being partial. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or you sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This this right here speaks on the dangers of being partial, turning a blind eye to those that you favor. In chapter two, God also addresses the men of Israel, for their unfaithfulness, not to only God himself, but to their wives. The men were divorcing their wives and being unfaithful to their wives and leaving them for women that worshiped foreign gods, that worshiped idols, that was leading them astray, that was leading them off the path, further away from God. God addresses the people for complaining arrogantly about uh, the adversity that they faced. They presented it as if they were not the issue. All this adversity was coming on because of God and not them. It was all God's fault. And this is a direct display of a hardened heart. Now let's think about this. Once again, you freshwater warriors, there's a lot of parents out there. You guys are, a lot of you are parents. So I I know that some of this stuff is is relatable. So I want you guys to take some time to think about this. As parents... We sometimes leave our children at home by themselves. And while they're alone, we give them the power and and authority while we are away. This temporary power and authority are to be handled under our direct instruction and guidelines, meaning that we have laid out the ground rules for the child to be successful while we are away. This doesn't mean that they have a full run of the household. This doesn't mean that they are the kings of the castle. This just means that we have laid out the guidelines, that we've laid the foundation, we've given them the rules, we've given them, we simplified it so they could be successful. And all they have to do is just follow these simple guidelines and they will be successful and everybody will be unharmed and things will go as planned. Now, as you leave the household, 
your oldest child that you left in, in power assures you that everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. And your oldest watches you walk out the door. And while you're gone for a few hours, you come back home and you see the place is a mess. Random people have occupied your home. People are treating your home like it's a, it's a sleazy nightclub when it's supposed to be a place of peace. You look at the chaos all around you. And for some reason, for some reason, you can handle all of this nonsense in your home until you look outside and you see your youngest child smoking and drinking with other people. Immediately, you're looking around the house trying to find your oldest that you left in charge. And you say to them, how could you intentionally lead your brother into this mess? How could you intentionally lead him astray and say that this is okay? How could you intentionally show him these things when this is, I don't even do these things in my own home. You knew it was wrong, but you told him that it was okay and that he would be fine. Of course, as a parent, you are upset with everyone in the house. You're disappointed that you see your innocent you're you disappointed that you see your innocent child partaking in such vile exploits. But you are most angry with your oldest for intentionally directing his brother's path to sin. I can only imagine all the punishments that you're thinking about right now that's going through your mind in this situation. The parent might be thinking about everything they can do to their child besides striking them down. Could you imagine how you would feel walking into a situation like that? Now think about how you feel. Now let's reverse that. Let's go back to the Bible. God was so disappointed in the priests because they knew the way. They knew the path, but they chose to lead people down a path of destruction and sin. Can you imagine how he felt as leaving them with some of the authority, leaving them with the guidelines to help others and to keep things going and moving the way it should have been moving, to keep things in order, to help guide people to him? They, he left them as leaders. And now he's looking down and he sees that they don't care. He sees that they're intentionally leading his children into sin and destruction. I'm telling you, the Isra the Israelites at this time, they were, uh, as we like to say in our household, they were tripping. <laughs> I don't, I can't think of any other words or any other way to ex explain this but this is what happens when you have a hardened heart when you the further away from god that you go the harder your the more hardened your heart is and that's just a fact that's a fact malachi chapter 3 verses 6 and 7 I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. How, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Once again, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from me, from my decrees and have not kept them. 
return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So from day one, they have turned and continually turned away from him. Continually. And they had the nerve to say, well, well, this is all because of you and, and this is your fault and you're doing this to us. And he replies, I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So what he's saying is, I haven't changed. I've remained the same. My word is always going to remain the same. I have no reason to change. I'm I'm the one that's that's perfect. I'm the one that's looking out for you guys. I'm the one that's wanting you guys to follow me so I can lead you into the gates of heaven. And for that reason, you guys aren't destroyed. For that reason, I haven't destroyed you. I'm a God of mercy and grace, of patience. For that very reason, I haven't destroyed you. Verses 13 through 15. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going out like mourners? Before the Lord Almighty. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Once again, the hair on my skin is rises up every time I think of that situation. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Am I going to be patient? Am I going to listen? How on earth am I going to discipline this? All those things are going through my mind right now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we are blessed to be serving a God that is so patient and mercy and merciful, so gracious. Because we don't have that in us. We don't have that in us. At this time, if we were some kind of king or some kind of uh, uh, some kind of high authority, we would probably be handling this situation a lot differently, a lot swiftly. Let's dive deeper into some of these questions, and this is coming from the King James, uh, the New King James Study Bible. At this time that we're talking about, when the prophet began when the prophet Malachi began preaching to the Israelites, he found out that the people had cold hearts. They had hardened hearts. They were indifferent and apathetic. When confronted, when he confronted them with their uh, their sin, they asked a series of questions that revealed volumes about their spiritual condition. The first question was, in what ways have you loved us? I'm going to tell you, that's hurtful. That's hurtful. There's no other way to say it. That is hurtful for your child to ask you something like that. They're, they're, they're making you feel like you're in a position where you have to rattle off all the numerous things that you've done for them to show that you love them. And then after you, you can rattle off a thousand things and they're just going to sit there and listen and listen and listen. And then what are they going to say? I didn't get it. I don't, I, well, I didn't feel it. Don't fall for that trap. You know what you've done. And you know it is hurtful. But this question reveals an alarming lack of trust in God. The Israelites were implying that God had been unfaithful to his covenant. 
if you really love us, why are we still under foreign, foreign oppressors waiting for the promised kingdom? Now, the question is for us, do we demand proof of God's love for us? Think about it. Think about it from a parent perspective here with your child. Do you let your, I mean, does your child demand proof of how much you love them? How are you? No, the proof is that I'm here every day for you doing the things that I don't want to do, doing the things and doing them as patient as possible and, and guiding you down the right path. The second question, in what ways have we despised your name? In what ways have we defiled you? This question shows the half-heartedness and the rationalizations of the nation's religious leaders. They were saying, in effect, we've been making the required sacrifices. What more do you want from us? But as Malachi pointed out, the sacrifices offered to God were unfit animals. And they knew better. They knew that. They were just hoping that God would turn a blind eye, just like they were turning a blind eye to the, the people that they favored. They were hoping God would do the same thing with them and say, this is acceptable. That's fine. You guys are doing enough. Something for us to think about. Do we offer God our best in worship or do we just go through the motions? Question three. In what way shall we return? This question reveals an appalling blindness to sin and an arrogant attempt to floss over their wrongdoing. You know, in essence, they were saying, we don't know what you want from us. We don't know what you want us to do because we don't see anything that we've done wrong. We haven't done anything. So I don't even know why you're you're telling us to return to you. We're already there. Something to think about. When faced with our sin, do we make excuses? Once again, that's all that was making excuses to try to cover up their wrongdoing in hopes that God would accept their wrongdoing, accept their sin and say, it's okay. That's fine. I'll let it slide. You'll be okay. The fourth and final question. In what way have we robbed you? And this question focuses on the people's greed. There's something to think about. Do we gladly give to God? It goes back to the example of the, your children saving the best portions of food for themselves and serving you and your guests rotten, defiled food, hoping that you accepted that and didn't say anything about it. You know, at this point, some of us are thinking to ourselves, how could the people of Israel be so heartless, rude, and defiant? And some of us would go as far to say, I would never do that. When in actuality, we have all been in the same position of the Israelites and we've all asked similar questions to God at some point in our lives. Why am I not being blessed? And we ask that question of God when we know that he's not even in our top 10 list of priorities. Why is my life so unstable when we know that we've been running away from God? My sin isn't that big of a deal because I've seen worse. And this is a sign of an unrepentant heart. This is a sign of a hardened heart. How have you loved us? The people of Israel asked. Now, could you imagine once again, as a parent, talking to your child about their wrongdoing, pleading with them to return to you, pleading with them to follow you, to get back on the path, 
telling them how much you love them and they respond with, well, I don't, how, how have you loved me? Once again, I can't even think about the hurt that I feel. It would stop me in my tracks. I wouldn't even know how to respond to that. It was like the Israelites at that time were intentionally trying to hurt God's feelings so that he would back off and leave them alone to die in their sin, or even worse, to accept their sin as good. And as parents, after being questioned and tested, our our patience would wear thin. We would throw in the towel and say to our child, you win. You win. I don't know any other way to help you. You can go on about your way. I don't accept it. But I don't know what else to do. There's no other way I can help you. We throw in the towel. But we are blessed to have a God that is an awesome God because he does not abandon us. Where we fall short, he will pick up the slack. He will look at you and say, Mike, have faith in me, your father God. Do not give up because I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow the path that I have led you on, Your son will not only return to you, but he will return to me. Even through all of that, our Father God shows that he is patient beyond our understanding. In verse 6, God says, I, the Lord God, did not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. If we were kings and queens in this position, the people who have constantly disobeyed and dishonored us would have been destroyed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We would have set off with their heads so quickly. We would not have thought about forgiveness. We wouldn't have cared to try to reconcile the situation. We wouldn't have thought about patience. We wouldn't have thought about mercy or grace. We would have just acted out on our feelings and acted out on what we thought was right at the time and said, off with our heads. I don't want to deal with this anymore. How dare you disrespect me? How dare you dishonor me like this? I can't take it and I will not allow this anymore. You are beyond the the point of being saved. You are beyond the point of having any hope in you. That's how we will respond. And he's patiently waiting through all of that turmoil. He kept saying to the Israelites, return to me. I love you. Return to me. With all the moves that they were trying to make to be deceitful, God didn't overlook them. He called them out on it, but he still said, return to me. This is how we have to be with our own children. If you want to have any kind of success, and I say success lightly, but that's if you want to have any kind of success with your children, you have to be consistent. You have to fight every day to stay on that path. You have to be teachers. You have to be patient. You have to have empathy. You have to show concern. You have to be soft when you want to be hard. You have to be hard when you really want to be soft. You have to find that balance. You have to be patient. You have to keep pressing forward. You have to remain hopeful that this will not be in vain. This is all for something that's greater than yourself. Being a a parent is a selfless task. When you become a parent, your desires and your wants are on the back burner. Sacrifices have to be made.
But the only way that you survive this and the only way you get through this is if you stay on the path of righteousness and you don't harden your hearts. See, the further you go away from God, is it increases the hardness of your heart. And some people have some uh, some hearts that are so hardened and you can see it. It's written all over them. You can see it in how they look at you, how they respond to things. You can see it in their home life. You can see it in their children. You can see it. It's just it's not fun to be around. It's, it's very frightening to be around at times. Having a hardened heart is no joke. It's no joke. It's nothing to be played around with. As you see, it will lead you to do things that you never thought that you would do. It would lead you to do things that, like leading people intentionally down the path of sin and destruction. And that's not what we want. I'll tell you, we have to soften up these hardened hearts and we have to continue to press forward. I tell you, Malachi was not holding his words. He was he was bold and he was saying what needed to be said. Because sometimes when we address our children, we're a little too soft on it. We beat around the bush. Sometimes they have to hear the direct, the direct bold words coming from your mouth and the seriousness of what they're doing. And they have to hear your tone. They have to see the, the frown on your face to let them know that you are dead serious about what you are saying. And this is a call for their attention. It can't always be hugs and love. Hugs and kisses and warm fuzzies and, well, you kind of need to change. No, there is no kind of about it. And we have to understand that. But we do have a way out with the father of all fathers. For all you freshwater warriors, I thank you for tuning in and I thank you for listening. Uh, being a parent is no easy task and I know that and I'm thankful for all you parents out there that get out there and hit the reset button every day. Grinding through, smiling through, but I'm telling you it's so rewarding when you see the fruits of your labor. And with that being said, remember guys that we're in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. Until we meet again, my friends.